Hello and welcome to the latest Electronic Sound podcast. My name is Push and I'm the editor of Electronic Sound magazine. And I have with me Mark Rowland. Hello. Who is the deputy editor and Neil Mason. Hello. Who is the commissioning editor. It's actually Neil Mason, isn't it? Not yes, Neil yeah, Ma- no. Not Neil Mason. Get various variations. Um, Mason. <laughs> Neil House. So we're talking about issue 45 and 46. Double on, bubble. Yeah, we, 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 we sort of didn't do one last time because of various holidays Weather. and things. Yeah, illness, Weather. holidays. Illness. Leaves on the line. Stuff. Yeah. Um, so, um, issue 45, which was our um, space issue. And 46 is our DIY revolution issue. So a very black cover for the space one, understandably so. And um, I think it was all right, wasn't it? Yeah, it was great. It was a while ago now. It was, wasn't it? You did a uh, top f- how many? Um, 50. Top 50 space The 50 greatest records. space records. Um, how many emails have we had saying, mm, you didn't do this one? Not, not that many, actually. Really? Yeah. yeah. Are you, uh, yeah. There's a cup that is, it's always the nature of these things. There's a couple afterwards that I thought, oh no, I didn't put that in. Yeah, of course. And um, there's, a, there's, a, there's another couple that sort of, it was really hard because I tried to space it out over the course space of. Space it out. <laughs> over the course of, what was it, 60 years? Going yeah, right 58. Back to 58 yeah. we started. So to kind of like space things out. <laughs> so many jokes it's flying the in first here. Time. Um, <laughs> It was, it was, you know, one or two things kind of, I had to make choices between one or two things, and one in particular that I I didn't get in that I really, really wish I had. There wasn't um, enough space push. The, <laughs> oh, dear. Um, it, it's, um, it sold really quickly, this issue. Um, we, adjust, have, yeah. we, we have, have we sold out? I think we, oh, we've uh, sold out of the seven the, inch, haven't the, we? The bundles offer went very quickly. I think we've got two or three days. I can see a very gone. small pile of maybe about eight or nine we've mags got, Yeah, a handful left. of the, just the magazine I'd say. So what was on the single Mark? The single was very exciting. It was a remix done for us by Mr. Vincent Clark of the fantastic record Magic Fly by Space um which is ha- that that's been uh, there's a big re-release double vinyl album of spaces back catalogue um, that's just come out as well and on the other side of the single is Reed and Caroline and their smashing track before, before. yes uh, which is really gorgeous uh, that whole album the whole the Reed and Caroline album is, is sort of science and space based uh, they're a very um, very interested in, in all of that thing. And, and we had an interview in the mag um, with Space, the French band who did Magic Fly. And it's a, it's a fabulous story, I have to say. I, I didn't know a lot of this. Uh, the main guy in Space was a, was a very, very well-known pop star in France and um, was signed to um, uh, Polydor, I think. As a, as a solo artist. Everyone in France in the 70s was... Uh, that's true, actually. Um, and he had to disguise his identity when, when he did this, this record, the Magic Fly record, which is why the, the, the video of the time had him and the other couple of guys in the band wearing 
um, space helmets to disguise themselves. Um, and it's, it's a, just a brilliant, brilliant story with some great pictures. A great picture, picture of picture the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, <laughs> they're, wearing, they're wearing space nobody, suits. Nobody's the grand piano. Oh, the, the, yeah. the grand piano. They're I mean, in space suits and the Eiffel Tower. It's know, just, let's it's take brilliant. a grand piano. <laughs> Back when record labels had money. So, so that's part of the space thing as well. We've also got a big old interview with Orbital in there uh, by Stephen Dalton, and um, uh, which is which is great. Um, talking a lot about space. Brian Cox is on their um, their new album, um, and also a, a fabulous piece about space disco by Bill, Bill Brewster. It's the first time Bill's done anything for us, and um, that is uh, that's brilliant. Sort of very funny piece as well. Um, talking about the uh, 70s space disco thang. Um, Who wrote all these headlines? I mean, I was on holiday when this was, you know, I don't think... Um, I think I must have done them then. Not quite up to scratch. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I would... uh, I disagree very strongly with that. (laughs) Um, um, Anyway, yes, what else was in the issue? Can you remember? Yeah, Heike Salou who we're big fans of. Oh, I love that album. Three women from, from Derbyshire who just I just think they're kind of out on their own, really, and making the, this kind of beautiful, twinkly... It's, it's just gorgeous, their music, and they do these incredible live shows. That are, they have all these um, standard lamps and things. They're called the, the lamp shows, strangely, <laughs> and they're all triggered by their... The musical instruments are all multi-instrumentalists, and they swap instruments around throughout the set. And they're, um, yeah, they're fabulous. And uh, Tongue as well. Who are fabulous? Yes, that album. It's funny because those two albums, uh, the Tongue album and the Haiku Salu album, uh, got a sort of similar vibe yeah, to them. Very much so. Um, and uh, both really, really, really strong, really good albums. Well, people would you people call that folktronica, don't they? But I really oh, hate that. I just think that's yeah, it's lame. Such a <clears throat> yeah, lame. That's it is. It's such a lame label to give things. Bloody music journalist. Some I know. idiot music journalist yeah. came up with that. Yeah. Wasn't any of us, was it? <laughs> um, I wonder how many times we've used it. Never. <laughs> never used it once. No. Um, and also Soft Cell. Um, oh. Neil, you sat down with oh, Mr. Did. Dave Ball. I did, yeah. For about three days, wasn't it? And no, it wasn't quite that long. It was a long afternoon in a uh, Soho watering house his um, <laughs> he's excellent company. he's a very fine chap the piece just at the end of it where he just lists the drugs they were taking in new york and it's two paragraphs long basically <laughs> yeah he's it's quite brilliant. surprised that they're both the pair of them are still alive really <laughs> oh and a bit of crystal meth <laughs> we did a bit of ketamine too <laughs> etc yeah, yeah <laughs> there, were, there were some amazing um, drugs, but the crystal meth occasionally led to heavier stuff, <laughs> like smack. <laughs> Shouldn't laugh at me. Yeah, um, really. Don't do. But, yeah, but he was on very fine form. We've been listening while this was going on. We were listening to the box set a lot in the office, and um, it's just great. That mix that he's done was really marvellous, and. Uh, just remembering Mark Armand's lyricism, how he could just evoke all of this sort of suburban desperation. In a but underrated, I think. Massively underrated. I think they, they, yeah. were, they were eclipsed by Tainted Love, really. They were, It just they? sort of rushed roughshod over everything and everything else kind of 
yeah. paled a little bit, and I think it's really unfair. Definitely, yeah. And they were, they was, they came, they they were quite underground, and I think that you could really feel that about them. And they were almost an underground band that became incredibly popular, but then, yeah, by accident, almost. Yeah, almost. Yeah, and, and but then they came. After them came the sort of more glossy new romantic thing, and, and they they were filthier compared to that and I think that sort of public taste kind of maybe moved away from them a bit but they were fabulous but Mark was one of those characters you know he's like one of those you know Bowie Top of the Pops moments Mark Harmon first mm. appearing on Top of the Pops I think for a lot of people seeing him do Top of the Pops the first time made them kind of go I can be I can be different I can be all yeah he's one of those sort of transgressive pop yeah. stars that, that enabled um, people to be themselves. Yeah, I yeah. can wear bangles. Yeah, yeah, I can wear eye makeup. Yeah, I'm still wearing bangles. Well, I know. Yeah, yeah. I saw them um, play very, very early on um, at the Futurama Festival in 1980, when they were. Um, they, I think they'd hassled um, the promoters really badly to get them on the bill because the, you know they were. Local they were, Leeds band. They were actually quite big in Leeds. They were, you know, they were one of yeah. those bands that kind of grew to the size of the town that they were. Well, forming. eventually, but this was they played at sort of two o'clock in the afternoon on the Saturday of the first day. Nobody knew who knew who the hell they were. A few locals knew who they were, but most people there had no idea who they were. Um, and it was they were impressive. They were really good. Uh, there was a lot of very good bands on that bill that year. Um, Still, bands you I didn't know particularly well. Soft Cell one, vice versa, who then became APC or another one. Um, and yeah, they were they were great and 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 still are, I think. Yeah, They're, no good reports from their from their last show at the O2. Oh yeah. that looked amazing, yeah. Apparently it was quite chaotic but in a in a very yeah. good way. But yeah. The Yorkshire synthesizer massive. <laughs> what, who? Soft Cell from Leeds, weren't they? Well, yes, yeah. They went to university in Leeds. Oh, okay. Dave's from Blackpool. Is he? Yeah. <clears throat> Soul Boy from Blackpool. Hence, Tainted Love. Well, yeah, there's a yeah. yeah that's yeah, a story for another so. time. But yeah. yeah. I mean, he yeah. grew up with the sound of Norman Soul ringing in his ears. There's lots of stories about where that came from. That you know, that Mark heard it. Mark was a a cloakroom attendant, wasn't he? At the what was that club? He was at the warehouse. The warehouse, yeah. yeah. There was the DJs used to be brought in there. American DJs used to come and play, mm. and they're bringing stuff over. And uh, there's a story that he heard it there first, and various Northern Soul DJs claim that they played it first. And, and Dave just says, "Well, I grew up in." Black. Is, is it not the case that every Northern Soul DJ claims they played everything first? Every Northern Soul track, because it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's always, isn't it? They're always arguing about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, had, I had one of those three copies that were in the country at the time. There's that, that whole movement, isn't there, about um, Northern Soul DJs playing? They have to play original vinyl. You can't play repressings. It's got really? a name. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to someone recently about it. It's really interesting. <laughs> really, it's really. I love these, these slightly insane, self-imposed. Rules <laughs> that people like that give themselves. That's why the, the, they cost so much money. There was a mad yeah. story about. Do you remember this, Mark? When we were at Moneymaker about the 
there was a, some one particular Northern Soul track that was really, really hard to get hold of, and there was only like one DJ in the country that had a copy of it. Oh, and then, and, and another one of the DJs found it on a compilation album being sold in petrol stations at the time. So this guy bought it and then went round all the petrol stations he could find, buying up all the copies so that nobody else had it. Is that, am I rem remembering that right? That does have... That sounds about right. The ring of truth <laughs> about it. I, I would have to go through our archives to, to find out. But they used to do that. That was a similar deal with the sound systems as well, wasn't it? Where they would um, cover up the labels. Yeah, or, or, oh, or just do very much so. Yeah. So, so that no one else could, yeah. could work out what their record was. Yeah. It's always been a thing, hasn't it? That's gone away a bit, I suppose, with streaming and digital downloads. The idea that the, the artifact itself was this immensely important thing. In Liverpool, you know, the, the, the tale of the boats coming in from yeah. New York and all, all the you know, early rock and roll and Northern Salt, uh, the Motown stuff coming in. Yeah, all the R&B stuff, yeah. Via, via there, so yeah. sort of igniting a band boom. Well, that's what they, that's <coughs> the they we say, that's why Liverpool, wasn't it? Because that's where it came in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Liverpool and Manchester. Because people had relatives who worked on the transatlantic mm. ships. Well. Well, I never. Well, well, well. Shall we move on to issue 46? Do you just want to talk about the, our opening shot in the, in, oh. the, in the space issue before we move on? I think that's, that's oh, okay. worth, worth a mention. Um, Who did you interview for that, Push? Buzz Aldrin. <laughs> no way. Yeah. You mean Buzz Aldrin? Who went to the moon, Buzz Aldrin? That fella. Yeah. Buzz Aldrin who punched a bloke in the head for telling him that the moonshot was fake. Quite rightly so. I don't know if that's true or not. Did he do that? I don't know. He's on YouTube. Oh, is it? Oh, brilliant. Good <laughs> Absolutely man. brilliant. Well yeah. done, Buzz. Good fella. Uh, yeah, it's actually um, it's a, it's a, an extract from an interview I did with him in 2001. So we, for our opening shot, we like to have a nice big picture and a little bit of text. So we've got a great picture of Buzz on the moon. Um, and just a, a, an, an extract from, from the interview I did with him, um, as I say, back in 2001. Um, he'd been a hero of mine since I was eight. <laughs> so uh, to interview him was, was quite something, actually. Um, still probably my proudest journalistic move, uh, moment, I think. There aren't many people who've been on the moon. No, no, there aren't. Andy Smith did a fantastic book, uh, Moon Dust, where he interviewed all the uh, astronaut, uh, all the moonwalkers that were still alive at the time. I think that was probably around about the same time as that as I interviewed Buzz, actually. Buzz, um, Neil, Michael Jackson. Indeed. Yeah. Thank <laughs> Very you. Very good. I'm here all week. Do you want to do you want to mention Sting at this point as well? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> no. Have you interviewed Sting. Uh, no. Let's move on. <laughs> um, we have a big yellow cover for um, issue 46, the DIY Revolution. Thomas Lear. Robert Rental. Um, Mark, do you want to talk about this one? Did yeah, this is you were um, quite instrumental in this one because I was a part of it, I suppose. In that, if you were around in the late seventies, early eighties, and interested in electronic music, it was the era which gave, it, which suddenly everything changed because four-track recording suddenly became vaguely affordable thanks to Tascam's Porter Studio and synthesizers which had been prohibitively expensive got cheap 
Um, but it was also the portability, wasn't it? That suddenly music became portable with the with the complex cassettes. Set. Yeah, the, cassette sort of the whole cassette swapping, cassette album thing happened. And at the time, I mean, you, what you had then was people like Thomas Lear and Robert Rental, who we hung the the issue on because there's a big exhibition of of their stuff going on at the moment. Um, <clears throat> who were making in tiny little independent records, pressing them up themselves and doing the covers themselves and sending them off to John Peel who'd play them and then suddenly they would be selling a lot and some records really took off and in a way the Normals TVOD was one of those records which just led to the formation of, of Mute Records. <laughs> Everything that came since, and the Human League's first seven-inch um, was was done in much the same way. I think Martin Ware said it. Yeah, yeah. He recorded it for you know yes. five quid of reel-to-reel tape and, and Cabaret Voltaire as well. Cabaret Voltaire, yes. yeah. So you know you had that kind of those bands making these records on their own terms and um, not using traditional recording studios, not producing clean sounding, traditionally recorded records and mucking around with whatever equipment they could get their hands on and it sort of led to this explosion of creativity and unusual sounds and that's what the whole issue is about really and it was, it was very much fun putting it together, not least because we went to Facebook and uh, asked on Facebook how many people there had their own studio and uh, <laughs> there were some brilliant pictures of bedroom studios circa 1979. In fact our opening shot, no it wasn't the opening shot was it, we, I think we used it on the, uh, on yeah, the, the content, content page, page yeah. um, which was uh, electronic sound reader Rod Devonshire's 1980s bedroom. <laughs> Uh, with the Moog Prodigy, which was another really important synth that came out in '79, the first, well, the second affordable Moog really. There was there was the Moog Satellite before that, but um, no one really liked that. But the Moog Prodigy was fabulous. Um, but the so, other big thing was Kay's catalog. Kay's catalog, yeah. I mean, I bought synth from Kay's catalog, a Gen SX1000. I got from there. Um, and I think Andy McCluskey yeah, bought his first synth so. from one. Yeah, £7.36 a month he paid over three years. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Which is just incredible. <laughs> just about doable if you had a milk ground or something, which uh, which I did. So, yeah. <laughs> milk and ground. So what? <laughs> a milk ground. Well, I had a milk ground. <laughs> That's what we did. But then a lot of these, you know, a lot of these artists you talk to, you know, Blamange, they didn't own a synthesizer when they made their first album. Didn't own a single. They just, you know, they were borrowing stuff. And well, Neil should have gone and got a milk round, shouldn't he? That's where he went wrong. <laughs> you taking the Mickey out of me? 
No, not really. Is that um? Is that the corner of the bed? That, that's his duvet. Yeah, duvet so, models. So he's, he's so he sat on the corner yeah, of the bed then. That's right. Play that's his right. keyboard. You, that's you, fabulous. You can see what the uh, priorities are in that bedroom. <laughs> yeah, not sleeping. Yeah, exactly. You just keep making music until you pass out. Yeah, that is a fabulous photo. That's great. So it's it? nice and um, yeah. nice and blurry and grainy yeah. as well. It's great. It really sums up that era. And as someone else on the Facebook <laughs> said. Yeah, because there were lots. Of, it triggered loads of memories. People talking about their yeah. old synths and what they did, and people started digging out tapes and posting um, audio of, of various tracks, which was great. And um, one of uh, one of the readers said, "You know, we'd keep bouncing until his said stop," <laughs> which we pulled out as a as a headline. So I thought that was such a great phrase to sort of sum up that aesthetic. Yeah. Now even now, if I because you know through labels like Minimal Wave and various other compilations some of which are, are sort of drawn together in, 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 the, in the piece so there's, there's loads of really interesting records of digging this stuff up um, as soon as you put a CD on or, or hear a, a new album and you get that sort of hiss start the track and a kind of wonky, slightly out of tune synth startup that's not very well recorded. I'm thinking, yeah, this is this is going to be good. <laughs> and the seven inch to go with this particular issue, with the the bundle, is uh, a new Thomas Lear track and uh, a previously unreleased Robert Rental track from 1980. Um, so neither of them. Um, the Thomas Lear track is available as a download, I think, somewhere else, but neither of them have been released as in, a, in a physical um, entity before. Um, and that's well worth having, two really, really great, great songs, um, uh, great examples of what we're talking about here. Um, so, yes, we do have copies of that left, so um, do get yourselves onto, um, <coughs> onto the website and, and, and get that ordered. I, I, we haven't got huge numbers, I don't think. Um, so um, yeah, no, they are dwindling. The other um, thing I really liked about this issue was the uh, the design, the cover image on the single is one of those. What are they called? Dymo. Dymo. Yeah. Dymo yeah. clicky label makers, which of course we all use to make our mixtapes and all the rest of it back in the day to to make it. If you didn't want to do your own handwriting, you'd yeah. be Flash, and get a Dymo label, and then uh, Dymo labeling features quite heavily. In the, in the design. Yeah, on the cover. Somebody said on Twitter yesterday that, oh, be wouldn't it be great if the actual cover itself was embossed and actually a dimo on the cover, yeah. stuck on? And we're not going to be going out doing 10,000 of those, the old fruit. <laughs> yeah. um, so, yes, very good. So, also, we, had, um, um, we have Gazelle Twin. Yes. Um, rather fab interview. John Carpenter as well. The oh, it's action-packed, this yeah. issue. Yeah, and John Grant. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is. It's got some... Um, Oliver Arnold's. Yes. Um, yeah, that John Grant album's a piece of work. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, that's out. Is that out now? It's out now, yeah. It yeah. came out on Friday. Yeah, that's, that's terrific. I, I He's embraced his inner synth, finally. He certainly <laughs> has. Yeah. Fully... 100% committed. Yeah. Yeah, he's also, I think, seems, uh, it seems to have freed up other elements of, of, of his his approach. It seems, you know, the, 
the performance, the vocal performances on it are, are just amazing, and the lyrics are. But I think a lot of it's to do with this kind. Of, you know, he's, he's in with Benj, isn't he? Benj yeah. has been Benj produced this album, and they did that the Creepshow album yeah. earlier in the year, and I just think there's a. You know, there's a proper meeting of minds there with you know Mal and with um, Phil out of town as well. Yeah. They're really, you know, the four of them have just <coughs> kind of really opened something up there. Yeah, and John Fox as well, who worked with Bench. Yes, John Fox and the Maths. Yes, yeah. I think that was the first I'd heard of Ben. That's the first I'd heard of him, certainly. And yeah. Benj also did that album. What was it called? Twenty Systems. Oh, Twenty Systems. Yeah. Yes, with, which was an incredible record. Was that before he worked with John Fox? I think it was while. Right. Uh, it might have been. It was very early on though. Which is, it's essentially a twenty synthesizers being put through their paces. It comes. It's a CD with a. It's got cook. Yeah, yeah. Really beautiful package. Yeah. And that studio. I, I've not seen the place. The new place. Because he's in Cornwall now. He is he? in Cornwall. Yeah, he's on the edge of Bodmin Moor now. Yeah. It's one of those places that it was. It used to be just off Oxton Square, and um, I went there to interview him and John Fox a few years ago. It's one of those places you, you went down, you went it, in at the sort of ground level, ground yeah. level and, and then there was nothing much there really. There's a few bits and bobs, sort of just a sort of reception area. It was a rickety staircase. Rickety wasn't old it? staircase. It didn't even have. Didn't even have. No. I just remember you went going down into this basement, and it, then you sort of got breath got taken away because it's just, <laughs> just yeah. So on the left, you went to the left, didn't you? And there was the studio, and then there was another room to the right, which was just piled up with. They were just yeah. piled up on the walls, and it's extraordinary. Like a whole Moog 900 series along the wall, and then next to that an ARP 2500, and then next to that a Roland system 700. But we may, series. you know, we may or may not have spoken to Benj for a future issue of Electronics and we may or may not have photographs of the, new, of the new studio. I think you can take that as a may. So we at may home. or may not have gone to Cornwall to do that. We may or may not have done that, yeah, at home with Benj. <laughs> may that be <laughs> Hello, it's, our, it's our new Hello Style um, <laughs> article, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Very much so. That was it the, may that was, be. If that might have been, if, uh, yes, if, if we did a thing, thing that happened. might have been the brief to the photographer. <laughs> to shoot it like... <laughs> A Saturday supplement, weekend supplement. And Gazelle Twin, who uh, we, 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 we were up at the Synthfest, weren't we, Mark? You and I were up there. We were in Sheffield. week yeah. before last. Um, and um, Elizabeth from, or Gazelle Twin, from Elizabeth from Gazelle Twin was on one of the panels she is up there. Task, I guess. Um, and uh, you think you had a little chat with her, did you? Yeah, well, someone said hello, that was very nice. She was on a panel, uh, David Stubbs, who wrote uh, Mars by 1980, a book that everyone's raving around about at the moment, about sort of a personal journey through electronic music. So she was uh, on the panel with David Vorhouse yeah. of White Noise, who was very interesting. And some other people. Yes, it was it was most stimulating. Those panels, actually, I saw that panel and uh, the Martin Ware talk, yeah. which was also very stimulating. Did you see any panels where you were there, Push? I didn't see any panels. Did no. you not? Why I didn't. Why I didn't, that? I didn't get to go into the panel room. How come? I was too busy. Really? Yeah, it was a great day. It was a, I, actually many many thanks to the Sound on Sound guys. 
um, Paul Gilby and Ian Gilby for um, having us along there because it was a really, really great day. And I have to say, yeah, I was exhausted at the end of it. I didn't stop talking all day long. I didn't sit down yeah. once. And I it really needed a cup of tea at the end of it. It, it was good. Yeah, yeah. I was really, um, yeah, it was, it was great. I'm very much looking forward to going to that one next year. Yeah, indeedy, indeedy. Um, so hello to everybody we met there, because we met loads of people there. Lots of people who said, oh, I'm, I'm a regular reader, subscribers. We met some of our investors there as well, which was lovely. Um, and a bunch of people who didn't know we existed um, and, um, and do now. So that's good. So maybe one or two of them are listening now. Let's hope so. Um, what else have we got to talk about? Anything else? Are we um, we could talk about. We just carry on talking if you want. Well, we could do. We could do. But um, we've probably done. We've probably done what we needed to do here. Our work here is sort of done. Um, yeah. We're sort of. We've got the. Christmas deadline is looming, which is always a nightmare for any magazine because you have to. You, we end up having to do um, three issues now. We've got to do three more issues before Christmas, which is quite a quite a, a, a challenge. Um, so we're kind of up to our neck in stuff at the minute. Um, we'll be back, no doubt. Hopefully, unless we forget to do it again, um, we'll didn't be back. Forget. We didn't. No, leaves, we didn't forget. Leaves on the line. That's right. Leaves on the line. Um, this time next month or thereabouts um, thank you very much for listening um, electronicsound.co.uk for all your electronic music needs Ooh. speak soon marketing <laughs> <laughs>